0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled dot lcom slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Before we get started with this episode of Bench to Bubba, let me talk to you about MyBookie.ag. Great site to make your sports wagers. Heck, make your wagers on the Academy Awards, on politics, all kinds of stuff. You name it, they do it over at mybookie.ag. And if you're a first-time depositor, use promo code BENCHED and get a 50% deposit bonus. That is promo code BENCHED, 50% deposit bonus. If you deposit 100 bucks, you get a free $50. Goes up to 100 or over up to 1000 at mybookie.ag and they also have a cool new thing coming out since Luka Doncic he's basically already won the NBA Rookie of the Year if you took Luka Doncic you're getting paid out right now they're paying you right now over $150,000 in winning tickets mybookie.ag is paying you out right now but they are doing a fun new contest it starts this Thursday night and ends Monday night so Valentine's Day through Monday if you can, you can now bet on Zion Williamson to win the 2020 NBA Rookie of the Year at three to one odds. If Zion does not win the Rookie of the, uh, take home the title, we'll refund all the bets. So go deposit at mybookie.ag, use promo code bench, get the fifty percent deposit bonus. Go put a bet on Zion Williamson right now at three to one odds. If he does not take home the title, they'll refund the bet. All wins. There's no risk. You win or you get your money back. That's simple. But that deals Thursday through Monday. So go deposit at mybookie.ag. Promo code bench. 50% deposit bonus. Go take Zion Williamson basically for free to win the 2020 NBA Rookie of the Year. Have all the fun in the world at mybookie.ag. Also, I'd really appreciate it if you guys give a rating and review on iTunes. It would mean a ton to me. It really, really would. It helps move the, the podcast up the rankings. More people can listen to it. Reach more audience. I'd really, really appreciate it. Uh, with all that being said, thanks for being great listeners. Hope you guys enjoy Bench with Bubba episode 144 with Chris Welsh of inthisleague.com. back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 144. Going to do a little outfield preview, catch up on some recent news. And in order to do so, join by a special friend of ours. He's been on the show before. He is part of InThisLeague.com. He just has a great new book. I want to just talk about it for like forty-five minutes while I go get a drink. <laughs> and he's on Twitter at is it the Welsh Chris Welsh? How are we doing, my friend?
2: What's up, my friend? How are you doing? And uh, co-judge of our brand new book. So thank you for taking part in it, and uh, thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It was uh, it was pretty cool. When you guys asked me, I was pretty pumped on it. So, and uh, at first I was thinking, "Crap, I got to write a lot." Then you sent me the email. I was like, "Oh, this is cake!" Oh <laughs> so, no, no, yeah, I, uh, mean, I was happy.
2: We totally abuse our friendship with everybody in the industry, but no, like what we wanted to do with it, so we don't make this. We can get we get this out of the way, so it's not a you know forty five minute commercial for the book. But I'm proud of it because it's like a. It's a structure that my uh, co-host and co-owner of In This League, Scott Bogman, and I have kind of really adopted for like the six years that we've been in this industry and doing our thing kind of independently was we're really into player debates. Like ranks are good. Uh, Everything is good. The whole – you really should consume – Every piece of tiers to ranks to mock drafts to, you know, whatever it is that gets you there. But something that we really love is application. And we we always talk about our ranks and we individualize the players. But then something when we get people on our show, we'll start to be like, well, what about this guy versus this guy? And and the reaction is always everyone's like, oh, man, let me think about that. So we really kind of ended up adopting this um, player debate, player versus player format. So what we did was we came up with this idea last year to do a book. Um, and we have this bunch of jokes and inside stuff. Ninety, and So we chose an arbitrary number 99 because uh, we have a shirt, 99 problems with my draft ain't one. We went with 99 and we took this boxing style format. So we went player versus player. Bogman and I each would write a blurb about each individual player that's in the matchup. We'd lay out their stats. And then what we wanted was we weren't going to ask our friends in the industry to write stuff in the book or anything like that. We're not. We're not – uh, that selfish. But what we wanted to do was we wanted them to judge it because people get really kind of interested in like, you know, what would what would Sporer say about, you know, this guy versus this guy? What about Eno? And uh, what about Bubba? You know, all that type of stuff. So what we did is we um, we have like 20 plus industry, amazing industry people and three judges for every single debate. And it accumulates into um, a final score. So what's cool is you can go on and you can see what you uh, put on a, um, a debate, and then what maybe Eno did on one, and then Colette, if you are the three that are in there, and you can see what each person individually judged and how uh, the uh, result came out. So it's just a cool tool that's not quite a draft guide, but uh, it's a pretty awesome thing that we're proud of, and it is uh, it is amazingly out now. And thank you for uh, doing your stuff on
1: it. Yeah, I'm glad to do it. I was honored to do it. And it's a really cool concept because um, I know... It's just not like legend, like not legendary is not the right word. It's not like the only people that do it. But I love the player debate format, and so now I feel bad every time I use it on my podcast because I'm like I'm stealing it from the Wells no. and Bogman. Yeah. But uh, it, it's such a great it's such a great tool, like you said, for you know looking into positions. Like when we do the outfield, I kind of made it. We're debating the people uh, in the similar draft range, love it. and that's kind of um, it's a great way to play. Like when you're sitting in the draft room, because everybody goes through it. It's, I'm at, you know, I'm at pick 12, it's round four, and these two guys or three guys are on the board. What do I do? And it it totally makes sense. So I think it's a great, a great tool. And it's not like your, your normal draft guide that 45 people have and they'll have good ones. But yeah, this is a different way to to break things down.
2: And we've always kind of described it tool too as like, this isn 't a draft guide, so I think there's always there 's something out there for everybody, and I totally understand it where there 's a lot of um, outlets that are doing draft guides, and one thing that we 're not doing is we 're not competing against them, so whatever the draft guide is that you want to go out there or multiple. What we are is we're just a, a, a tool in your tool belt for drafting. Like I said, it's application, which is fun. And, you know, like I said, we all can sit there and we can talk about how much we like a specific player. But then when you really pit them up against a scenario, a, maybe a similar player, or sometimes in the book, what we do is we'll take a range. You know, you might have a player that's two rounds below, and we're really testing your might to say, hey, you know, this guy over here in the second round, that's good. But what about this guy that might get you similar value down here two rounds? Which side would you take based on value? you so that's kind of we went with it i wish we could say player debates are ours it's just something that we've adopted and i appreciate everybody that locks into it and it's uh, like i said it's the kindle version is out on amazon it just released they held it for a week for whatever reason we have a paperback version which is brand new to us and the copies have just started going out to people and it's pretty badass and it's pretty cool i'm excited about it and then we've also got the uh, pdf at in which you know has like search function stuff and, um, yeah, I hope everybody gives it maybe a little check and anyone who wants to check it out, I would uh, deeply appreciate it. And, uh, you're, uh, you know, Hey, you're supporting your, your boy right here. A little Casey Bubba action in there.
1: Yeah. I love it. See everybody go check it out. These are good dudes. Uh, one of the first guys, groups of guys I got to know. On the Twitter sphere in the fancy baseball realm, and they welcomed me with open arms, and I think you guys should as well. So go check them out; they're awesome, awesome dudes. And one day I will actually go to First Pitch Arizona and meet them, but until you, then, get, I'll just pretend like uh, I'm going to go. <laughs> get
2: out here! Why do your listeners sit here and allow you to not get out there? It is the best time, and you know me—you come out here, I will talk your head off about prospects. I'm like, I can't wait. The other show I do, Prospect One. My prospect show, I'm doing insane stuff right now. I'm doing two episodes a day going through all the teams, and it's just – it's so in my brain whenever I can talk to like my friends in the industry and get to be around them like I just love Like it did, me and Rob Silver did it during uh, first pitch this year we just spent like hours just sitting there talking about stuff so your listeners need to remind you and force you to come out here this coming year if not just spring training get the hell out here man let's get out and let's yeah. uh, let's enjoy some baseball
1: I need to and that's uh, I, I love the prospect talks and you're one of the best at it and that's it was weird putting the outline together I usually only have you on for prospects like <laughs> you know what I'm going to mix it up on him I'm going to some stuff he does on his other shows and see where we go because he's, he's multi-talented chris Welsh.
2: thank from. you thank you very much yeah, i'm getting that a lot actually like i do get a lot of the prospect stuff but you know the with the book out we some people want to have us on and like have <laughs> a couple people being like i want to have you on but I'm, i might have somebody else doing some prospect stuff so just letting you know and i'm like you whatever just bring me on let's talk i love to talk to everybody so i'm just happy to be exactly here. we're
1: just friends talking sports so right. uh Let's talk about some recent news here because it does have some fancy impacts here. I'll we'll start with Francisco Lindor calf injury going to be out one of the weirdest timetables I've ever seen, but it's um, they're saying maybe two to three weeks into the regular season because they can't really narrow down the calf injury. Like I saw somewhere seven to nine weeks, not your typical uh, report, but going to miss the first couple weeks. He was the pretty much unanimous number one shortstop and, how do you think this affects him in drafts? Because I, I was in the BARF draft this last weekend, and a guy took him eighth. I thought that was early. I haven't been able to listen to your mock draft episode, but where did he go for you guys?
2: Yeah, that's exactly. You, you nailed it. We just did a 15-man Roto with Sporer. He came on, and it's a chaos of an episode. And that was a big focus of – like this happened between our last week episode and then this Roto one where Lindor went down. And um, Scott and I do a radio show, and we, we spent a couple segments talking on this because my feeling on Lindor – was, you know, because this was a consensus number four pick in my brain. Like, this was the guy that was going number four. And this has essentially pushed him out of, I think, a 12 man um, first round. It puts him right on the wheel. My ranks, I've moved him to uh, 13 at this point, but he's amongst a couple guys that I think are questionable. And something like I I kind of uh, drill in with Spore is like, who would you rather have, like Lindor or Bregman at this point with both multiple injuries? So uh, Lindor ended up going in the mock draft. I believe thirteen, and we talked some about it in the episode. Which, yeah, you know, still like even I know it's thirteen, but in a fifteen-man roto, I had a little bit reservations because it is your first-round pick, and ultimately, like the 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 calf strain worries me on the stolen bases, and that holds yep. that holds the the like the top five six potential of his value, and if he misses any time, this re-injures at all. You might zap some of the stolen bases. But the positive is this is a solid average, big RBI run homer type of player. So if his if his speed is zapped, it's almost like old school it's like Manny Machado. It's actually like Manny Machado type numbers. But the problem is is you take a guy like Manny Machado right now because he's safer and that's kind of where I sit at him. So I've got him uh, at 13 from 4, which is disappointing. So yeah, 8 would have been a little too eh, – and just a little too rich for my blood and
1: barf. Yeah, looking at uh, ADPs right now, I just reposted my shortstop rankings with the changes with his injury. I have him like my fourth shortstop off the board right behind Machado, Turner, and Bregman. And looking at ADPs, it's around 14 or 15, so kind of where you guys are were, were going there. Let me, um, let me
2: ask you one on this real quick because this is the one mm-hmm. I've been kind of asking everybody about. I felt like – Bregman has kind of a line like um, Bogman was Bregman over Lindor. You're Bregman over Lindor. Spore and I are Lindor just over Bregman taking the risk at right now. But what I'm curious about, Altuve or Lindor for you?
1: That's so good. That's like Altuve has been that, that kryptonite to many this year. Um, I'm, if I, if you believe Altuve is healthy, which you have to believe. Yeah. Um, I take Altuve over Lindor. We're talking about a guy. We're talking about a guy that was going second in a lot of leagues last year, third, if not third, and we know we know how hurt he really was now that could factor into so many things that went wrong. So I'll take Altuve. I think you're getting a huge discount at the end of first rounds with Altuve.
2: Yep, I, I completely agree. You said it very well. That that was kind of my approach, too. Like, Altuve, I think he's dicey for some people. Super sexy, kind of, like, early second-round pick. But, you know, with this injury, like, Altuve kind of clearly jumps ahead due to just what we – like, kind of the known stuff that we get with him. And he's still a floor player. But, you know, there is a range. I would open up to anybody if, if you know – If you're not comfortable with that, like 13 overall pick, Lindor is in the Bregman. Me personally, the Goldie, Sale, DeGrom, he's in that kind of territory. And if you really wanted to go say Freeman, and it sucks because he's such a good player, I I love having him. And I was really looking forward to drafting him. I think in one of our early mock drafts, I did. But there's got to be worries. And, you know, in multiple sports, we get burned early on by being like, ah, well, seven weeks, that's the start of the season. Maybe he misses a week. This is just one of those stupid, scary injuries that could linger. We saw it with Donaldson, and Indians aren't exactly putting out a super competitive roster. So it's just more questions than you'd like. And that's my
1: biggest thing right there is this thing can linger forever. And if you're talking about a guy that you're hoping for, like, say, 25-plus stolen bases, and now he's getting 10 to 15, that's a gigantic fall-off at that point in the drafts because, as you know, doing mocks and everything, there's a lot of, like, 15 10 type guys 15 15 type guys you can get yeah. 100 picks later or something so it really takes a big hit to me but at the same time i don't want to drop him too much because you know it is francisco and He is young you got to hope he's gonna bounce back it's just kind of do you want the risk that early i'm not a risk guy in my first few picks i like to kind of have a little more stability but some guys like that chance it, I, but what, what i tell people is think levy on bell last year think how that went
2: uh, yeah well we got, Bachman <laughs> and i both got burned in a league i i like risks Paul said one really interesting thing too, uh, just blowing up the spot of the episode. But no, like, this is fine. I got some
1: more questions on this. We can roll with this for forty five minutes. I don't yeah. care.
2: Well, just agree like one thing I like that he said that we didn't, we haven't talked about here, and we kind of were almost about to gloss over was go to a ten man league, and uh, ironic enough, Lindor is a little bit easier to take at like an eight or a nine or a ten. Because in True. a 10-man, the player pool is going to be so much better. What you're going to do in the third and fourth round, you know, you might be high third, even low second in uh, in bigger leagues. So in a 10-man league, I'm more prone to take that risk with Lindor here. And then, you know, where I'm saying, like, I might have him—what was I just saying? Like, over Altuve, like, yeah, I— I think when you get in past after Machado, I think Lindor in a 10-man could totally be applicable. So, like I said, maybe like 10 or 11 or, you know, which would be a wheel in a 10-man league. So I think that's a spot.
1: Yeah, I do like that. Um, so, like, I agree league size is something that probably doesn't get talked about enough that it definitely has an impact on, like, when you take And We'll keep using sports' name because we love him. But um, on his recent, you know, starting pitcher rankings episode, he was talking about you know certain pitchers you take a chance on in a 12 team compared to 15 and it makes sense for position players it's just not talked about um and i know you for one listening to your guys' shows a lot like i prefer rotos you guys some of you guys like your head-to-head you like your points like your other factors yeah do you look at lindor differently in one of those type drafts and so we're not specifically saying size of draft maybe draft style league style
2: yeah i mean i think if you're this kind of comes back to that risk thing. Like I'm, I'm going to take less risks in roto, which kind of comes back to like what you said. So I'm probably even less likely to reach a bit on Lindor, and you know, Frank. I mean, frankly, even when I get, if I were in roto and I had like pick 13 or 14, it's an odd spot where I could even maybe talk myself into going over, a guy like Goldschmidt over Lindor because the position's kind of crappy. And I think Goldie, I mean, as an Arizona Diamondback fan, uh, watching the depressingness of this garbage <laughs> team trade the best player probably in this organization's history for nothing, that he's going to have an MVP season this year. He's going to rebound. Every question you've had with Goldie will be answered in St. Louis, and they'll be great, and Goldie will be great. So I could justify taking Goldie over Lindor and then, you know, cry in my sleep because he's a Cardinal.
1: A uh, last question on this whole little loop we just had. Um, I believe you said you and Spore take Lindor over Bregman, or me and Scotty take Bregman over Lindor. Yeah. Um, is it just the elbow concern, or is there other concerns that you like Lindor over Bregman?
2: Um, I mean, I think there's the, the similar injury concerns. Like, if you're going to have them about Lindor, you got to have some with Bregman. Uh, Spore brought up the idea of you know maybe a power uh concern that could be out there. I think that's legitimate. Um, there's there's a lot going on in that team, and I think I think Bregman. If Bregman were all healthy, this wouldn't be a question. But if I'm taking both, if I'm taking consideration for both of these guys to be um, question marks for health, I think Lindor is a better power potential. I think he's a better stolen base potential. So he's just like a notch above Bregman. Uh, if there was a tier, Lindor might be the end of a tier, and Bregman would be the beginning of a tier. But all things are equal; they're not healthy. And you know, if, if that's the case we kind of are back to them, all things being equal. And Lindor is the better fantasy option comparatively. So that's why he's easy. But this could change in two weeks. You know, if he has a setback or, you know, Lindor has some type of a setback and Bregman's just, you know, busting through and all's healthy and, hey, he's clearly going to go, this is a volatile situation that's going to change probably over the next month. Sadly,
1: Yeah, it'll be fun to see how it keeps uh, changing when we keep getting updated. You know, either Fantrax ADPs, NFPC, whatever preference people have. It'll be fun to see how it all plays out. Exactly. Um, J.T. Muto, right before I finished my last episode with Rob Silver, got traded. So it's perfect timing. <laughs> Just great freaking. I, lo- I love it. I love it. So it's perfect timing. Literally, I hit stop and boom, all over MLB Network. It's Real the Muto dumbest thing on the
2: planet. It is so frustrating people don't understand podcasting in general can be so utterly frustrating and it's just it's it's what happens we sit there and we put our hands up and yeah. we're like all right whatever i give up
1: and now three thousand other baseball podcasts get to talk about it before <laughs> i do it's been so freaking awesome but uh, we're gonna talk about it anyways because it is kind of a big deal and we're gonna start with the Rio Muto, Muto part, but then I get to get you one prospect question from you. Right. So let's talk JT Remuto going to Philadelphia. Seems like a great landing spot. Does this separate him more over Gary Sanchez at number one, or do you still have or do you, or do you have Gary Sanchez over him still?
2: Um I mean I like Gary Sanchez a little bit more before, but I mean anyone that listens or knows my stuff kinda knows what's about to come here. But like I think this is a positive for Remuto and especially when you're talking like Roto and stuff, like I like think he's safer at this point, runs RBIs. I I have said this and I swear to God, if this happens, if we turn this episode off and Harper signs somewhere, how pissed are we gonna be? But like it's I think happen. it's gonna happen, man. This is like the precursor to I think this is a precursor to Harper signing with Philly. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yep. Even if it doesn't, though, Ramito hits in the middle of a lineup, solid contact hitter. The stolen bases are kind of gone. So I say I'm saying all of this saying I think Romito is now safer than Gary Sanchez, and the upside is, we've like, with Sanchez, is you got to get back to peak Sanchez, and that is a major question for me. But the real answer is I have no interest in either one of these guys. I'm not paying a top 100 price for a catcher, and it, there's nothing that's going to change my mind about it. And in the Roto draft we just did, I took, like, Buster Posey at, like, 180, you know, something like that. I'll do that or, or even go later. So as as cool as these guys are and... And I understand that they might have a a step above, you know, the position, but I don't think it's far enough to uh, pay the price, unless you're talking about a two catcher league. So, yeah, I think Romito is probably the better option, but I don't want either one of them.
1: Yeah, you you just nailed the last part. The only time I look at him or Sanchez is a two catcher league. Uh, You give me real Muto in an OBP two catcher league, I'm really excited. Yeah, I agree. Other than that, other than I wait, like, give me Danny Jansen, give me Beef Wellington, um, all kinds of options later on. I don't Uh have any problem with that at all. Um, Now they got a return for Rio Muto in Miami. First off, Jorge Alfaro. Any care for that at all?
2: Um, I mean, on a little. Uh, He's going to get major time, uh, bad contact rate, tons of power. I don't know. I mean, I I don't think he's like based on like what he's going to return this season. Not really for 2019. Maybe long term if he is able to make some contact. But I'd say probably not.
1: Any interest in Will Stewart?
2: he's interesting um and now are you talking just for 2000 and no just in
1: general as a prospect you kind of break does you know him way more than I do
2: um I mean it's it's minimal I mean, it's obviously funny we pick on him because I think a lot of people like know what you're getting with Sixto Sanchez you know that was the that was where the big name was and um will I don't, I don't know if will Stewart was so much a throw-in the international well he's kind of it what's interesting about them is like the international money was like super important. That was something with what I think they even came out and said, like whatever they're doing, they want to make sure that they're acquiring international money. So Will Stewart, you know, he's a relatively big lefty, still young, had a great year last year, two ERA. I think there's something to be sim- like kind of excited about. But I don't think as far as like major fantasy upside, it's there. I don't think he's much of an option this year if we're talking about that long term. He's not. He's not the type of pitcher that I target in fantasy, and you wouldn't see on like my top 500 ranks list. But um, I wouldn't – like I don't want to discount him. I don't want to say no, there's nothing there. But he's just not the type of guy that I'm looking for. And I'm looking for high strikeout pitchers. If I'm going post 250 or 300, let's say, in ranks, I'm probably moving more away from you know these 22, 21-year-old pitchers with minimal upside, minimal stuff and low strikeouts I'm moving away from those guys. And I'm looking for like more volatile, like 18 year olds with major strikeout, maybe control issues. So he just doesn't fall in line with a guy that I, I want.
1: Okay. And then Sixto Sanchez, you know, once big time name, some fall off of late, cause he was kind of injured. Um, is this the return they should have got for Rio Muto or are we just kind of hoping for more is better?
2: That's a good, qu- I like how you phrase that. Cause I'm not sure I'm hearing a lot of that. It's I think it's focused on like, hey, here's some of the other stuff that was out there, but is this the return they should have gotten based on like what they're doing? This seems very in line. Um, you know, they're taking like these power, you know, high power pitchers that I think they're hoping they can you know tone down, they can develop command, but these guys that are throwing a hundred have just electric stuff that haven't been able to quite hone it in, and that's guys like they have like Sandy Alcantara and they, drafted, they uh, traded for Jorge Guzman. They, they that, That's that been what they're wanting to do. Part of what I think it is is it, the ability to homegrow your pitching because they're not, they're not going to be able to bring free agents. Like, Miami's a fun place. Like, when you talk about young guys, like, hey, everyone wants to play in Miami. No one wants to sign in Miami because they suck. The fans don't care about them. The fans don't want to watch them. It's an atrocious thing to deal with unless they go out and they try to, you know, like they used to do, just buy a team. So they've got to figure out a way to make it an ideal destination. And at this point, it's got to be done internationally and through the miners. And essentially what you want to do at that point is you want to home grow your pitching so you're not paying premium dollar. And then you can trade or spend your, um, your money on hitters. It's a lot. Of, I mean, look at like what guys – I mean, Mustakas hasn't signed and like Daniel Murphy is out there. So they're home growing what they should get. But to your question, is it what they should have got? I think it's fine. I think the market dictated that. There were all these rumors of everything they wanted, but it all seems so ludicrous of what they were asking for. The rumor that I heard right at the trade went down was that the Braves had offered Austin Riley but nothing else. And this team is clearly not like they don't take the fantasy approach like like we would. You know, we're uh, quality over quantity. They've been kind of taking quantity because it's like they have so many holes to fill in their minor league system and their major league roster. It's just like let me get a really solid top end piece but I need more Riley's not going to do it and that's what they did here so I guess the answer is yes but I mean I personally would have liked them to develop maybe a little bit more hitting but um, they're building through pitching and I I get it
1: yeah that's kind of what I think is the whole time I've been trying to tell people okay they're not getting the big names but they're they're building quantity because the system is such so, so depleted. And if they hit on one or two of all these pieces, things will be much much better. Yeah, it's like, so.
2: So, yeah, that's that's a good point. Like you throw enough at it, like they've got some interesting uh, position players, um, not high caliber. Like Monty Harrison, um, I interviewed him in the fall league, and he's really interesting, crazy, freak athletic guy. And he's made some adjustments that are positive. They signed Victor Victor Mesa. But I mean, throughout the rest of the system, a couple guys that they drafted, this is like heavy, heavy pitching. So, you know, like look at the Atlanta Braves, you know, build a ridiculous stable of pitchers and maybe you can move one for more quality hitters. And, you know, they, I think they're going to play that game for uh, a little while.
1: OK, um, one might not have fantasy relevance, but I want to ask you, Kyle, Kyler Murray picks the NFL, picks the more stable, immediate money, basically, and maybe a better future. We'll see. But the A's still do own his rights. If you're looking Dynasty, do we have a possible maybe Drew Henson situation, or are you just say screw it, I don't want to hang on to him?
2: I love that you asked that. I thought about putting out this poll, and I just I didn't do it. Um, I I still feel like I want to do it. Where I wanted to ask, if you're in a deep Dynasty, would you consider drafting his rights and holding on to him? And but in the poll, I probably have to give parameters because like I play in this league, me and Scott do. We play for like 15 years, where it's like 10 minor leagues. Ten minor league spots and it doesn't take a roster spot, you can just hold it there. I still wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. This has got to be where you're it's like a it's a big ass league. You got 20, 30, maybe unlimited minor league spots type of a system, and it doesn't um like what I'm doing in RDI, the Roto Wired Dynasty Invitational, you only get like thirty-five spots to keep between minors and majors. and it's twenty. It's twenty teams, which is solid, but that's still a place where you don't keep a guy like Kyler Murray. If you could hold him without penalty, I actually don't mind it. If I, I would be, I would consider taking him, you know, probably post sixty or something like that, first year player, and just to hold on to his rights because I think there's a hard road ahead. Um, Bogman covers college football and uh, college fantasy football and NFL draft stuff for us, and he is uh, he thinks very highly of Kyler Murray, but I think there's a lot of bumps ahead, and uh, I would not be surprised if two or three years from now. He's kicking back um, a potential baseball run, but it's the biggest speculative move. That it's. I mean, I'd also say like, why not take a, an inna- international guy like uh, it's got like Kevin Alcantara with the Yankees, who's like 16 years old or 17. Like, sure. why not take that guy? Because that guy's going to take five years to develop. So would Kyler Murray because he's going to have to sit for three or four years, or he'll be in the NFL for three or four years, and then he'd take multiple years. I, I hopefully, hopefully, I answered that. If you're in a super deep, deep, deep that doesn't have a cost, I would do it just to speculate. I love to speculate, but dude's made up his mind. He's 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 going to go play football, and uh, we're going to see that five eight or five nine height, and we're going to get all the Russell Wilson to smallest quarterback of all time type of things, and there'll be nothing but questions over this guy for the next two years. And uh, hey, best best to him. I hope he um, I hope he succeeds.
1: Yeah, it'll be real interesting to see how it all plays out. But, is everyone uh, pissed?
2: Because you're in the Bay Area. Is everybody pissed up there right now, or is everyone just like, ah, whatever?
1: I think everyone's more pissed off at the A's for making the pick. I told all <laughs> the A's guys, I'm like, they, they they really went on a limb here doing it. And then, you know, he did he did everything in his rights, but uh, he kind of left them hanging in the end also. So it is a very dicey situation.
2: Mm, he's a whole thing. I, I have a, an A's preview uh, prospect podcast coming up in I don't know. I think it's next week. And um, Melissa Lockhart from The Athletic is on with me. And we this was before Kyler like this was in the midst of Kyler essentially saying he's going to football. But he hadn't said he was going to the combine or did his tweet that he did the other day. And we briefly kind of glossed over it because what I know a lot of A's people have done is they've they've turned their attention from, hey, Kyler Murray, uh, this sucks, to Well, they did get James Hanna. Uh, Jameson Hanna and that's where <laughs> everybody's kind of moved to so that's kind of what we talk about in the episode but yeah I mean between that uh, psycho um, that psycho person who wrote all the crazy stuff and you know wished injury on Kyler Murray to the chaos of poor interviews with uh, Murray on Colin Cowherd or no not uh, Dan Patrick he's been mm-hmm. nothing but short of entertaining from the internet to the TV right now
1: yes he's having uh, he's helping us all laugh <laughs> all Um fun. Last little piece of news here is probably not huge, but as a guy that watched him in the desert last year, is there anything to Brad Boxberger going to Kansas City fantasy-wise?
2: Uh, I mean, he could close. That's that's the best thing here. I'm not a big Brad Boxberger guy. If anything, I was more annoyed by him because, his, I don't know, I mean, Archie Bradley's obnoxious in, in his own ways, but I think he's I think he's more talented than the garbage that he puts out sometimes, and I wanted him to close. But uh, Boxberger was all right. He was okay. I think he could do okay here. I think they signed him to give him the shot. Willie Peralta could be another guy. I don't know. I think Kansas City could implement um, some type of a, a, a rotation between their closers. You know, just volatile situations like Brock. I, I, I think Willie Peralta could actually be the guy. But if I were banking at this point, I would bank on Boxberger. But I'm not super optimistic about him. He's cheap saves though. That's what you gotta like. And closers are getting. Those are getting, like, wacky right now. Everybody keeps talking about implementing these guys in high leverage situations, which could take, you know, what was the latest one? Like, Iglesias coming out of a closer role potentially for high leverage spots. Like, that sucks. I don't want that.
1: Yeah, there's so many of those starting to come up. And it's like, well, shit. And you don't want to just have saves hold leagues because that kind of, you know, holds are so wonky of a stat. But uh, Well, now you don't want to pay you're... for them either. You don't want to pay for close. like.
2: It, yeah. There's only an, there's an argument to pay for like the top top closers because of their stability, but then in that middle range, it's just crappy. Like I I don't want to pay for guys that, like Iglesias. He was like my guy, but now I'm worried. I'd rather wait and you know maybe speculate on Andrew Miller's or Cody Allen's or maybe even Boxburgers. But I don't know. I'm, I'm I might just be like jaded with Boxburger. You know I know him as his uh, emoji jersey that we all wanted, which was a box a, a box emoji and then a poop emoji. That's what we think of him.
1: oh that's outstanding outstanding um all right let's go to the outfield let's uh i got about the top 19 or so on here and uh just to give us a little quick part one preview to the outfield like i said in player debate fashion we'll kind of go through these guys not exactly in in uh, adp order but for the most part they are we'll kick it off with the two up top and forever it was no question mike trout was number one now Mookie Betts is putting some heat on him, and I've actually seen, and you've probably seen it as well, there are guys that are saying Mookie Betts is worth the number one pick. I can't come there, but do you have any inkling to take Mookie Betts over Mike Trout?
2: No, no, I don't do that. I don't, I don't live that lifestyle, my brother. I don't do that, but uh, Trout is still the guy. We do have the debate in the book is Trout versus the field. And we've done that in both editions now. (laughs) That's just the way we take it. And I actually I write the field in this one where I was for Trout last time. And there are some interesting things. My my field is very heavy about Mookie Betts in there, and I make a lot of cases for him. And um, but he's just he's clearly the number two. Like I'm taking Trout every single time. I mean, spring training, dude. I just bought my first tickets for spring training because I'm out here in Arizona, and I targeted. I you know. Right now, people aren't jumping on tickets. And I was like, I got to go to an Angels game because I just want to keep seeing Trout. You know, boom, cheap, first row. Uh, that's what we set up. We're on Angels side, first row because I want to see Trout because he is next world. And uh, he's my guy. And I don't think bets, it's not a crap on bets. You know, he's the clear cut number two. Those are the tiers it's Trout, then it's bets. And then it goes Jose Ramirez, and then it's um it's kind of a – it's not quite the Wild Wild West, but it's a whole clump of a bunch of players that people can make th- different arguments for. But uh, love Mookie, but nothing is going to take me off of Mike Trout until he really actually starts to simmer down.
1: Yeah, no, I'm 100 percent with you there. I saw the arguments. I was like, okay. I, I respect people that really dig into stats, but I think you're kind of overdoing this one here to, did you to see, prove your point.
2: There's this cool video I just saw. Um, oh, who the hell did it? I don't remember who the hell did it, but it was, it was this video that was saying, is Mookie Betts the best athlete in the world right now? And it, it showed him – just, I mean, rest in peace to this cornerback that was trying to cover him. He he looked like Chad Johnson out there busting a route and just making this guy look silly. Boom! He catches this touchdown. Then he goes and he dunks. He does this crazy slam dunk. Then it shows him, uh, you know, jumping over a wall. And then he's hitting. And then it shows him bowling. The guy's an incredible bowler. And then it, it keeps going back and forth alley oops. And it's like this guy's one of the most incredible athletes. And so that's why Mookie Betts deserves to be in the conversation. It's like Trout is otherworldly, but Betts is Betts is one of the most intriguing just people to me in all of baseball. Go go someone go find that video if you can. I don't remember what it was called, but it's just is Betts the best athlete in the world? And you'll just see just this compilation of everything that this guy can do.
1: Yeah, he's he's super athletic, but he has quite the nerve to take a fat man sport that I can appreciate bowling and go dominate it. It's like, you know, go do everything else. Go run fast and uh, do all that stuff, but leave the fat guy stuff to me do you, Scott.
2: Do you do some bowling?
1: Well, it's a fat man sport. If you can drink and do it at the same time, it's like slow pitch softball and golf. These are things we're qualified for.
2: Well, I'm, I mean, I am no skinny man. I am right there with it. I'm just taller. So I used to, uh, back in the day, when I was younger, younger, and, um, I did more embarrassing things with my life. One of those things was I was in a bowling league. I haven't bowled in like oh. eight years, but, uh, I, I, I'll put up, <laughs> I'll put up some one eighties. Maybe like, I'm not going to pull up a 200,
1: but it's so funny. You mentioned that we're going to take a, a side turn here. Um, I, my dad visited about three months ago and I had stuff in his garage from when I was in high school. So over 20 years ago, probably 25 years ago. And, um, He brings my old bowling ball from my bowling league from when I was in, like, middle school. And my wife had no idea about this, and I caught shit about it for a long time. Oh, yeah, you're like, did I mention that I did a bowling league? Sorry. Yeah, let me show you my retainer, too, while we're at it. But, uh, yeah, it was was pretty impressive. I'm like, why did you save this? You could have thrown this away a long time ago. You're
2: like, honey, honey, listen, I grew up. I don't do a bowling league. Hold on. I got to go do my
1: uh, baseball podcast. I'll be back. (laughs) Exactly. I got to go do my sixth podcast this week. I'll catch you later. Yeah. Uh, I'm growing up. But Yeah. Yeah, all grown up. Let's talk about a guy that's he's starting to become grown up, and Ronald Acuna, yeah. who is just amazing. I know you love him. We all love him. Versus Christian Yellick, who had, like, I love Christian Yellick, big fan, but in reality, with the stick a step back, in my opinion, and realize he had a really hot two months. What, how do you break down Acuna versus Yellick?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all in on Acuna right now. Um, he has become my number four. That's where I'm at with him right now. The speed power combo is immense. Well, he took
1: Lindor's spot.
2: Yeah, he took Lindor. I- I'm not sure it's is definitive. Like it's not like in my mind, like Lindor was definitive number four. Like Acuna just he moved up the spot there. I think Yelich presents so much floor, and I think a lot of things went his way. Uh, the power definitely went you know way up than I think anyone expected. The stolen base I, I had Bogdan and I had made a big case. In, um, especially when we were talking about the book like last year, was that like his stolen bases should go up in Milwaukee. Like, him and Kane, this was going to be a real positive. And if you get at 20 homers and 25 stolen bases, we're in a great spot. The guy just did everything and more. And it does feel like there's some regression to come. I know that's and it's tough sometimes because you look at just like an all-world player like that, and you're just like, well, what does that mean? What is regression really going to mean? Is it going to make him follow the first round? Is that what you're telling me? Nah, he's going to still be really good. I just don't know if he's going to be you know, 30-plus homers again. I don't know where that's going to pan out 100%, but what I can tell you is that I know Ronald Acuna, as young as he is and volatile as he is, I feel very, very confident in here telling you that I'm going to get 25-20 from him. And I think the upside surpasses Yelich by by uh, a decent margin as far as homers and stolen bases go. The runs and RBI is a little bit um, – there's a little bit more to be seen because there's, you know, there's talk that he might hit five in the lineup. And it, we've even speculated that maybe that's going to take a little bit away from the stolen bases. But it, what it should do is give a higher uh, run and RBI uh, potential for him. And I know someone would be looking and say, OK, well, if you're going 25-20, maybe 100-100 and a 280 average, it's still not where Yelich was. But Yelich is going to come back down. I mean, he just, he destroyed, destroyed his uh, high in homers, destroyed the runs, destroyed. I mean, everything was an absolute career high this year. So let's take a step back. Where does Steamer have him? Steamer goes uh, 297 with 27 homers, 15 RBIs. That's a massive drop. I mean, I know Steamer's always like, um, they're conservative in their numbers, but those are massive. Drops from 36 homers down to 27. That's more than like a 10% uh, downtick. Same with stolen bases, average going down about 20 spots. I mean, the guy had a ridiculous bat up last year. And then you go take it a guy like Acuna, not trying to tout that Steamer's the way to go. And Steamer, in their um, conservativeness, are projecting 29 homers and 24 stolen bases with a 279 average for Acuna. So I think there's a lot of positives on this front. And if I'm going to take risks, this is a big thing I've been saying. Um, is that I want the homer stolen base guys. I want that combo, and I think Acuna represents one of the biggest upsides in that territory in the first round. Even though I know Yelich is more of a floor player, but I'll take a risk, and I can afford to bomb out just a little bit if he does do that because the second and third round are so much. Uh, they're so good right now that Acuna has just become um, you know a pro- predominant number four player for me.
1: You know, I, I like that a lot of Cunha. I think, you know, by season's end, I think he might be up in that Trout and Betts conversation. It wouldn't shock me, but he's so volatile. Maybe he doesn't get there at the same time, like you're saying. So uh, I, I agree with that. And Yellick, as much as I like the guy, it's just hard to see that that duplication taking place. Um, J.D. Martinez going just slightly fractional numbers behind Yellick. Do you like J.D. over, Christian?
2: Um. Oh, where do I? Ha- I want to say I've got. Ye- I want to say I've got. J- now I got Yelich one spot. Um, I got um, actually two spots above. I've got. I've got Yelich right behind Acuna, uh, just because of the power speed. Like, like something I had to yeah. come to terms with. With strategy is kind of what I was just uh, alluding to, and I've, I've said on some of the shows is that I don't want to take a ton of risks as far as speed, trying to buy speed later. You know, I, I don't. Yep. We're not doing it here, but you know the. Um, the Mondesi stuff there's a lot of risk inherent risk that's with him there's super potential but we've gotten burned there before like I want I want the first round to be the five tool player that's why I'm more prone this year to pass on Arenado I'm more passed to I'm more prone to maybe pass on JD Martinez if I can get a five tool player I think Acuna represents the top of that after uh, Ramirez Betts and Trout and then I think Yelich. even though I think there's a downtick I don't think it's going to be you know this massive drop that makes him come out of the first round then i come back to the the promised hitters of arenado and jd martinez and then we you know then we're kind of coming back into a little bit more speed like turner and i personally like bryce harper a lot so uh jd martinez is behind yelich but he's right there
1: okay i like it let's talk about three of those mashers one being jd martinez so they're about three and a half to four category type players because not a lot of speed expected here but uh jd martinez Aaron Judge, G. and Stanton. Uh, when you look at ADP-wise, again, uh, J.D.'s about 7, Judge 21, Stanton 23. So there's a gap there, but they both offer a lot of power upside and counting stats to gain. How do you kind of rank those three and differentiate them?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, J.D.'s in his own tier here, but just like we would kind of do it in the book, like as a, as a value play or the debate of where I would go, I actually think Stanton is the guy that would win it here for me because, I mean, the power— he's the top's power guy here. He's the lowest average potential of them. There's also a little bit of an injury risk. But, you know, J.D. doesn't fall in line with probably what I'm doing in the first round. But I say all of that, you know, if I had the seventh pick and he's there, I'm going to easily take him. But just all things considered, I'm probably more likely to target, like— you know, like get all angry and start effing and essing all over a podcast if I was like, All right, yeah, you know, give me Stanton on the wheel, you know, I got Mookie Betts at two and I really want Stanton coming back. Like that he would be a target of mine. So I think um prolific power is sweet here, but if I can get the speed in the first round, I'd love to do that. And then proof and point is look at the second round. You can get Goldie, you can get Judge, you can get Stanton. If you want to go a little bit safer, you can get Freeman. And then there's a few more power speed guys in like Baez and Story. So give me the cheapest option here that's going to give me, you know, 40 homers and 100 RBIs and 100 runs.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty telling. I I agree completely that uh, JD's kind of in a class of his own. That bad and average differential helps a ton. But you look at Steamer, who I, I love to use as well when you mention them. They have Stanton for 45 homers, 96 runs, and 114 RBIs, where Judge they have for 35, 96, and 92. That's 10-home run difference. And sure just projections, but you're projecting the guy for 45 home runs. Let me do a quick separation of, of home runs. He is by far the highest in the out ahead of Gallo and Chris Davis by five. That is crazy. <laughs> That's so You guys, That's so crazy stupid. talk. Yeah, it is. Like yeah. Beer. But all right, let's talk about the next one here. You mentioned how much you love Bryce Harper, so I'm looking forward to this. But i got Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, Chris Bryant. Mm. Harper going about 18 or 19. You have uh, Soto at 32 and Bryant at 35. I know Harper is in a class of his own, but at the same time, people have mixed reactions on him and then some really love the Soto company and the bounce back of Chris Bryant. How do you look at these three?
2: Do you, do you not like me? Why do you have to do Harper versus Bryant? Why do you have to put
1: that in my portfolio? <laughs> do you think – do you think I lie when I tell you I don't listen to your show? No, yeah, I don't know why you're doing this to me.
2: Um, yeah, this radio. <laughs> a, t- a tough one. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna Nick Soto out of this just for argument's yeah. sake. He's the best value, and um, he's stupid. Like the guy is such a ridiculous young talent who's also like I don't. Outside of Vlad, I would even say like Acuna doesn't even represent probably the floor that guys like Soto and Vlad have. Uh, but obviously, the upside is just you know, in another world with Acuna. I love the guy, but I want to nix him here because this is firmly Harper and Bryant above. And, and I know a lot of people are like anti-Bryant this year. And it's just a tough thing for me to wrap my head around because like haven't we haven't we seen this story a million times? And I suppose somebody could awesome. like turn the story and be like, well yeah, we've seen a guy be good for a couple years and pair out. But it like, it like one bad year. Yeah one bad season after multiple, you know, hundred runs 39 homers in 2016, like, he can be a bit volatile, but not what we had last year. Last year's an absolute anomaly to me. Steamer's got, what is it, uh, 29 homers, 88 RBIs of the 275 average. Conservative-ish, I think that's um, that's a very good middle line, and I think he surpasses that this year. So I'm very, very pro Bryant. And I'm also very pro Bryce Harper, and uh, this is something this is something me and Spores share. We are like the team Bryce Harper uh, fan club. Where you know I know a lot of people just aren't a fan. There's that whole stupid like, is he elite? Is he not? One thing I've always loved about him is when he does like have a pare down of a year, he finds it in other places, and he's got this weird like, I hit 300, then I hit 240, then I hit 300, then I hit 240 over the last four years, but you know when he hit 330 in 2015 it was like 42 homers 118 um runs 330 average next year average dipped almost 100 points but then he found he found it in stolen bases he started stealing more next year it's major average again 319 29 homers counting stats are a little less cuz he missed games last season average goes down he finds more stolen bases again he goes 13 34 homers with 100 100 on the runs and RBIs i just think He's like a chameleon. He can make himself work wherever he is. So, straight up, this is easily Harper. I have Harper in the first round for me. And if it's all things, because I don't know what the ADP is. Do you have ADPs up? I'm curious where Harper and Brian yeah. are comparative to each other. Because all things considered, I, like, it's Harper. But
1: yeah, and they do have a gap. I have I have NFBC um, since January first. Bryce Harper is going about eighteen. Okay. Chris Bryant's going around thirty-five.
2: I have those two so much higher than they're both going. I like I have Harper in my first round, and I've got Bryant um, on the wheel of the second round. Like that's I think I have him at twenty-four. I got Bryant at twenty-four. And frankly, I want to put him a little bit higher. You know, he's one of those prime. Like if I had a mid, had a mid second round pick, and I lost out on let's say like Stanton and Goldie particularly, I think I might even jump to make sure I get Bryant. At like pick eighteen or nineteen, like that's how confident I am in him. But um, the same thing goes with Harper, and I think Harper provides a. He's a little bit more volatile with the average, but he's going to get his counting stats, and he does provide stolen bases. And I don't care where he plays this year, he's going to do well. So I'm going to pick Harper, even uh, negating some of the value with Bryant. And I'm yeah, I'm I'm with you on
1: this. I'm with you though on the fact that I don't know why people are so down on Bryant. Um, It's another. It's like we just talked about with. All these different injuries with Altuve and everything—it's like people need to look back at the grand scheme of things. And every year, basically, before this injury, the dude was a monster. He's an MVP candidate, and he's still so young. I don't see how he doesn't bounce back unless there's something just really, really flawed with the man. But I don't see it. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. The value you get on a guy like Chris Bryant—yeah,
2: it's great this year too. And I—I mean, you know, just the idea that like, just think about this for a second. Like, you might have the potential. To go get, like, Mookie Betts, Giancarlo Stanton, and Chris Bryant. Like, that could be the start of a team. I know that's a lot of outfield um, that I'm talking about. But, you know, Bryant's going to have other qualifications. Of Obviously, third base is his main position. But, like that just think about that. Think about the team that you can build around that. And then maybe you get in some pitching and then there's just still so much depth later on, or maybe you take some risks. Maybe you want to take Mondesi a little bit later, you know, or you want to go with a younger guy like Glaber Torres. Like you can just do so much with your first three picks potentially being first round talent.
1: Yeah, there is a ton of depth, a ton of oddities with people and their different opinions. So it's going to be a uh, really interesting to see how it goes uh, as, as you're doing more mocks, you're seeing it yourself. It, it's pretty wild what's going on out there.
2: Yeah, it'll adjust too though. They're like Brian's oh, yeah. going to come up a little bit as we get closer to drafts, and
1: um... he'll go he'll go mash like six home runs in two weeks in the in in Arizona, yeah. and then he'll go right back up.
2: Oh man, yeah, I'll be I'll be sitting in the bushes
1: just watching. Like, Let's go, Chris. <laughs> because he won't let you close by. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, Charlie Blackman versus Andrew Benintendi. Blackman's going twenty-six. Benintendi thirtieth. You know, when you look at these two guys, if you don't look at their age, just kind of the way they play and the overall skill sets, to me, they seem similar. Just one's getting older, one's kind of getting into his prime. How do you look at these two?
2: Oh, yeah, this is a good one. What, what are the ADPs on them currently? Because I like both, but isn't Benintendi going about – am I wrong here? Is Benintendi going about a half a round, a round higher, or is he going below?
1: Since January 1st on NFBC, Blackman 26, Benintendi 30.
2: Mm, yeah, see, I mean that that's a tough one right there. In in the rotomach, I took Mookie and I took uh, Benintendi. So I took Benintendi like, well, I would never pick that would be, you know, in the second round, it's like ninety something or, or not ninety, I mean uh, like twenty nine or twenty eight or something like that. Because um, I, I kinda wanted to say blackman, but all things considered, if we're talking about this in a debate format, I'm probably I guess all things considered um, more aggressive on Benintendi, and if I'm getting value on Benintendi I think it is easily him. You want to take the young upside guy, especially in Boston. And, uh, you know, Blackman, it can get a little bit ugly outside of Colorado. But um,
1: mm,
2: this is a really, really tough one because Blackman's another one of those guys that were paying for this bad year last year where he was like this consensus top five pick. Uh, I'm going to go with Ben on this one.
1: Is there anything in the fact that Ben is going to be leading off this year that changes your mind on him?
2: Um, I mean, no, I don't think so. I know where you're going with this. Like, if you have a massive worry of, like, an RBI drop or something like that, I, I think home run totals, especially as, like, an AL guy leading off, he's going to still have plenty of RBI opportunities. Mm-hmm. He he mashes, Benny biceps. I love the 100 mm-hmm. runs. I like the potential for a higher average. And um, I'd even be curious if we're going to see an uptick in stolen bases if, uh, you know, he's put in that situation, especially if he's putting – I mean, if, if – I don't think it's out of question, you know, that he says career highs and runs, uh, stolen bases, and potentially average this year. There's just a little bit of question on, like, where the power develops and uh, RBIs. I think this one is, like, crazy close. Crazy close.
1: Yeah, it's, it's two similar guys. And I, I do like him leading off. I think there's a lot to like there, so I'm not too worried about that. Um, this one's interesting. Whit Merrifield versus Starling Marte. This seems really simple. Maybe it is, but two guys with big stolen base potential. They get on base. they do things one a little more power than the other. But how do you look at Wit and Starling Morte?
2: Uh, I'm definitely I think I'm team Wit here, and this is damn close. I think you're getting you might be getting a tiny bit of a discount on wit. Pi of uh, PCP, uh we, we one of the twelve hundred thousand shows that we do, the fantasy black book. Uh he's he's made a pretty concerted effort to let everybody know that Whit Merrifield is like Trey Turner light. And I think there's something to that. <laughs> but I like the the second base eligibility kind of puts me over. I think he's a lock for double digit homers, even though they're low. The stolen bases are just continuously rising. It's great average. So, you know, this is one of those few guys like in the top 50 where I'm very confident with the stolen bases. And what the hell is this What is this team going to do this year? Like, are they just going to bunt and steal every single time? Billy Hamilton, Mondesi, uh, Merrifield, it just keeps going. These guys are just going to single and steal themselves to probably a bunch of wins, and we're all going to just like shake our heads, like, what the hell's going on here? But uh, I'm going to go wit over that power that Marte provides.
1: Yeah, they're going to steal over 200 bases as a team. It's going to be ridiculous, and um, it'll be fun to watch, sadly. Oh, uh,
2: here's uh, a question. What will be higher, the team stolen bases by the Royals or Billy Hamilton's batting average?
1: (laughs) I'm going to take stolen bases. (laughs) I think you might be right. (laughs) I think you might be right. That's a good one. I thought you were going to say like someone's blood alcohol level, but we'll go with the yeah. That that's a good one. I like that a lot. Um, wow, that's 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 why you get, that's why you pay the big bucks. Yeah, all right. um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm a big fan of wit too. Um, I, I heard some of piece of stuff lately, but uh, I'm big team wit. I've taken some hits from a Justin Mason. Told me I'm an idiot for where I have him ranked, but you know we love Mason. Where so you got okay. where you got Merrifield? I have him no, my number one second baseman over oh, Altuve. Yeah, I'm taking a lot of shit for that. <laughs> I get it. I get it, but I, I love Merrifield. I really do.
2: Casey Bubba gives no shits. I like it. Yeah, night, yeah. You know what? Go bold or go home. I mean, that's a that's a bit rich for me. It's but, a bit uh,
1: much, yes.
2: But, I mean, like, do you rec- – okay, let me ask you this thing real quick on that since we're there. Yeah. Do you rec- you recognize, like, his value? And I don't know where you have him ranked. I'm assuming if you have him there, you have him at, like, 13 or something like that. If you have him in that spot, you recognize that you can get him, like, Probably uh-huh, two rounds later. later.
1: Yes, I'm okay. a big fan of the idea of getting them at the end or beginning of the second, and third round. Turn there, okay. And I think that's tremendous value because what I'm looking at is I can get a very similar production, if not better, than Jose Atube, at that pick right there. That's wow. what I'm looking at. I mean,
2: that's, it's hard to argue. That's hard. That's hard. the only thing that you know goes against them is like the Royals in general, and that question we always ask, like, you know, who the hell is going to bat? who in, and, you know, how are they going? I mean, that's, that's what this team is doing because they don't have a bunch of uh, killer players they are going to have to manufacture runs, and uh, Whitmerfield is at the top of that. So, all right, yeah, you're bold, you're bold as hell, man.
1: You mean Ryan O'Hearn's not going to drive in 140 runs?
2: That dude can mash, man. He was one of the first homers I saw in the Arizona Fall League like three years ago. Dude crushed one in surprise. He's got some power, but, you know, no
1: average. There you go. Uh, just a couple more to go here. This one's intriguing to me because it seemed like it was a debate last year after their monster rookie campaigns. They kind of went different directions, but both really good last year. Yeah, Reese Hoskins versus Cody Bellinger. They're the 15th and 16th outfielders off the board right now. Um, Hoskins will regain first base eligibility eventually. Cody Bellinger has both. They're going right next to each other. How do you look at these two?
2: This one hurts my soul a little bit because I do I do love – Cody Bellinger, so, and he's going to be given, he's going to be put in a lot of different situations this year, but, and I think it's hard to, I think it's hard to go against Reese Hoskins right now. Um, I'm going to lean him. I don't feel, as you can hear in my voice, I don't feel super confident, but I would also say that, like, maybe this is, I mean, maybe this isn't good analysis, but, like, I view them very similar. I view them as, like, incredibly similar players. So if I've got Hoskins a couple notches above and I know the range that I want him, let's say, you know, I've got them both in, like, the, mid well I got one in the mid thirties and uh or late thirties and one right at the edge of forty. That's Bellinger. If I'm in like third round and Hoskin go Hoskins goes, I just move straight to Bellinger. And that's just where I go with it. Because they're both going to qualify at outfield. So there's no differential between position eligibility. They're both big boppers um hoskins again in such a hitter friendly park in a place that i think they could bring in bryce harper they're bringing in a very good contact hitter and jt romuto for rbi opportunities in front i think counting stat wise there might be a little bit more on hoskins but there might be some stolen base potential with bellinger but i uh, i just slightly lean hoskins and just gladly move to bellinger if he's taken
1: yeah i really like hoskins too like Bounce back's not the right word he still had 34 home runs last year. Yeah. But it just seemed like it was a quiet 30. It seemed like a quiet 34. It wasn't as, you know, boisterous as his, his 18 and 50 games we saw. But I just think moving back to first base, getting comfortable where he's used to being, I think it's going to be big for him next year. And if any, I think he's one of the handful of guys i could see getting 40 plus home runs and I, I liked it a lot with hoskins at that point in the draft and i'm not saying belly can't do it but there's still a lot of swing and mister that scares the crap out of me
2: yeah i mean there, there's kind of inherent risk with both of them but you know, first base is like first base is just such a problem. I, I know that there's some people out there going to be like, oh, "That's not a problem." You can get Justin Smoke later. It's like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Like, I
1: want. I've, I've seen that option mentioned too many times in the last like 72 hours. Like, I'll take Justin
2: Smoke, but I'll take him as like a utility or corner infielder. Like, I, I really am starting to lean to like wanting one of these guys earlier on as possible i waited a little bit in our in our latest um our latest mock draft uh, on the end this league fantasy baseball podcast and i ended up getting like matt Olson, but i got him right around 100 and in, uh, in a roto format And i was okay with that but that was i was starting to get to like the bottom of the line there and you'd have to go him or someone like you know e5 or something so i'd rather i'd rather be in this territory of bellinger and hoskins if i can
1: oh, i dig it it gets a little murky there at first base which is so freaking weird yeah um, the last one we're going to talk about here is the 17th, 18th and 19th outfielders off the board at the moment. They have a lot of similarities. Some differences as well, and that's what you're here for. Lorenzo Cain, George Springer, Tommy Pham. What do you got?
2: Oh, this is the list. Um I'm <laughs> I'm kind of I'm I'm going to go a little bit off of Cain in this instance and um I I've, I've talked myself out of him a little bit even though I've got him ranked pretty decent. But a comp that I've, I've seen out there and I've talked about as well is like I feel like you can get similar production that Kane gives you with a Victor Robles a couple of rounds later, though Kane is Big more turn. he's more floor like you can kind of count on the average. He's just really low homers. Um, Tommy Pham is Tommy. Does Tommy Pham have the lowest ADP of these guys? Because I'm by the way, I'm going to say Tommy Pham, even though I'm a I desperately love George Springer, but the team does not run him. I will take George Springer. And then after, I would actually love to pair him with a guy like Tommy Fam. But if you're talking value, you're talking about just overall fantasy production. I think Fam is going later than these two. And even if he's not, he's probably the best combo player here.
1: Yeah, Kane's going about 62, Springer 64, Fam 65.
2: So I, okay, yeah, they're all real, real close. close. Yeah, all real close. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's Fam, but he's the least sexy. Well, I mean, him and Kane are both unsexy. Spr- Springer's kind of a value if he's in this. If he's in the '60s, actually, N- now that I'm thinking about that, like I would be very tempted if I was in the '60s and he was there. I'm actually probably taking Springer because I have him personally higher. But roster construction is probably like really important to this too. Because if you know, if you've if you haven't got a bunch of stolen bases, then this could be a problem, you know. But if if you went early and you got you know Trey Turner and then let's say you also got Whit Merrifield. You know, those are two extremely high-stolen base guys. George Springer at 60 might be perfect for here because you'd love to have 30-plus homers with, uh, you know, some more bopping power. So it can go a little bit both ways, but, I mean, I'll say fam.
1: Yeah, that's what that's what's interesting here because it goes back to your thing earlier. You can start out Betts, Stanton, Bryant, and then one of these guys, and it's just like it just keeps getting deeper and deeper. That's obviously if you're negating pitching, which is always an option. But yeah. um, Fam's kind of the, the interesting one. I think he kind of does a little bit of everything. So if you are looking for steals, I like that angle. But um, Springer just keeps getting kind of, I don't think, underappreciated is the right word, but it's what it feels like. He's kind of had a down year last year. He was pretty you know, He was injured off and on. But overall, he's been really, really good in his first three, like, full seasons with the Astros. So, you know, 25-plus homers. The steals aren't really there, but you mentioned it. He's going to score a ton on a really good offense. I I think there's a lot to like there, and you are getting a serious value there, as you said. Yeah,
2: I like him. It's sad. It's sad, George. Get better.
1: (laughs) Well, that gets us through the first— Part of my outfield preview. Um, why don't you go ahead and plug everything you have going on?
2: <laughs> well, we don't have another 45 minutes, my friend. But um, <laughs> listen, just uh, in this league.com, the in this league fantasy uh, podcast, we do tons of sports prospect one. I got a ton of crap going on over there. Team preview episodes. I rank top 500 stuff. Um, I've, I've been interviewing prospects. I actually have Alex Kirloff from the twins coming on an episode later this week. That's going to be pretty cool. So I've interviewed a bunch of those guys. And uh, we also have a we have a patreon you know we've been we've been one of the forefronter guys. we've been going on for about three years on our patreon. tons and tons of stuff. If you like to laugh we've got comedy shows that we do for only patreon we've got rank. We've just got a whole bunch of crap, and you're just you know you're supporting independent podcasters and uh, big big time ninety nine fantasy baseball player debates amazon you got the ebook and the paperback paperback very cool only a couple bucks more and pdf over at in this com. and would love love some support on the book and people pick it up and uh let us know uh what they think and uh what our guy casey bubba did on the uh, judging
1: yeah everybody go check it out it is good stuff and good people support the cause always good information to help you out and uh, as always mr welsh It was a pleasure having you on the show. Appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much for having me, my friend. Uh, Enjoy uh, and looking forward to talking to you soon.
1: Yep. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 144 with Chris Welsh of InThisLeague.com. Catch you guys later.